Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello, welcome to Kernels. I'm Christopher Hooten, and oh boy, what a week it's been for film and TV with possibly the biggest film of the year and certainly the biggest TV show of the year arriving. So um, Sunday marked the return of the graveyard shift for me, um, which is something I kind of complain about but then secretly quite enjoy. This is Game of Thrones, obviously, I'm talking about. So, you know, everyone in my house goes to sleep around 10 o'clock and then I'm there waiting for, like, four hours. A little bit of time to myself. It's quite nice, quite rare. And then around two, well, at two, um... The new season started, and then I'm there writing about it until I think it was half six in the morning I got to sleep. I was there so, like, zombified watching Game of Thrones at one point in my living room that I had the back door open because, obviously, it's crazy hot at the moment. And an urban fox just kind of, like, poked his nose in to come and watch <laughs> Game of Thrones, maybe, with me. And I didn't even notice that there was a human being in there because I was just sitting so still watching the show. <laughs> and it could have been a... A Game of Thrones-centric episode of Kernels this week, but I mean, we did do one two weeks ago about the kind of broader questions about the quality of the show, and also the episode, even though it was, you know, hugely talked about and everyone was watching it, didn't actually have a lot of substance to it. Not a huge amount really happened. It was kind of like a recap of the end of last season. So what we're going to focus on instead today is Dunkirk, which is going to be, you know, one of the biggest films of the summer, one of the biggest films of the year going to pick up a lot of awards and you know it's a Christopher Nolan film which is always always a big talking point because the guy is incredibly consistent you know he's at the very least his films are always going to be interesting they're always going to be big scale and have a bold narrative so I'm going to start off by reading you my review of the film which we posted online on Monday when the embargo dropped and then I'm going to talk a little bit about what I kind of didn't have room for in the review and what it's been like seeing the other reactions from other critics come out about it. And then we're going to move into a quick kind of catch-up with Killian Murphy and Mark Rylance, two very talented actors and generally nice guys. So here's the review, four stars. The war film genre is a fundamentally competitive one which many great directors have submitted an often single entry to. It's a test of one's technical chops. Can you replicate on the screen one of the most complicated and terrible activities that man has ever taken part in? With Christopher Nolan's submission, the answer is yes, and in unique and spectacular fashion. Dunkirk is an unusually linear film from the writer-director of Memento, The Dark Knight Trilogy and Interstellar, centering exclusively on the evacuation of Allied troops who found themselves surrounded in Dunkirk, France, during the Second World War. There's no political context provided, no worried families back home, it's focused entirely on the race to rescue soldiers itself, and as such is tense and battle-orientated from start to finish. Nolan does allow himself one piece of trademark narrative disruption, though, the chronology of the film not being as straightforward as it initially appears. 
The director playfully thanked Warner Brothers for giving this, quote, British movie an American budget, unquote, at the film's premiere, and indeed it was necessary in achieving his vision, paying for the extensive practical effects, boats, planes, and vast cast of extras employed to make war look real. It's very much a story of land, sea, and air, and all three elements look jaw-dropping, shot meticulously by cinematographer Hoiter van Hoytema on IMAX 65mm film stock. He did her interstellar spectre. He's everyone's go-to guy. The Spitfire dogfights in the sky are particularly gorgeous, unfolding most of the time from a cockpit or first-person perspective and making it feel like you're playing a video game ten generations of console into the future. On land, the sea foam shivers on the beaches around the dead, even the howling wind not seeming to want to let the soldiers escape, while at sea, the desperate situation on sinking destroyer boats is depicted with gasping grit, the camera being flipped on its side and stationed in unusual places in order to capture the mania as the troops struggle to extricate themselves from the water's embrace. The sound editing and mixing is sure to be decorated at the Oscars. When you go to see the film, note the heartbeat-like thumping footsteps near the opening, and the score from frequent Nolan collaborator Hans Zimmer is as virtuosic as ever. Mark Rylance, Tom Hardy, Killian Murphy, Kenneth Branagh is a terrifyingly talented quartet of actors, but they're actually only used sparingly in supporting roles and feel like a paternal presence on the cast. Murphy is parachuted in to give a small but emotionally pivotal role as a shell-shocked officer. Branagh plays a classic stiff-upper-lip commander. Rylance expertly portrays the quiet resolve of a wartime Brit as a mariner who goes steaming into the battle on a tiny boat. And Hardy? Well, Hardy is just incredibly badass as an RAF pilot. To tell you more about him and his character would be to strain spoiler territory, but suffice to say that the eight-year-old and you will be wanting to punch the air in the cinema. These performances underpin those of the younger cast, as, after all, war is nearly always a story of young men and women losing their lives. Finn Whitehead, Tom Glingarney, Barry Cogan and Harry Styles are the teenagers caught up in the horror and perform alongside their elders admirably. I think it's fair to single out Harry Styles' performance for analysis here, as, frankly, Nolan brought it on himself by casting him, even if he did underestimate the singer's fame at the time. And yes, Styles is very confident, and his performance does not stick out like a sore thumb as many feared. You just immediately accept him as a soldier alongside the infinitely less recognisable others. He doesn't exactly have any especially challenging scenes, but he's solid and takes the job seriously, and I imagine, for better or worse, many lead future film roles will follow if he wants them, given the immediate box office injection that comes with his casting. One small criticism in the casting department, though. The young actors are also uniformly chiselled and good-looking. It's like conscription was restricted to Burberry models, to the point where it's legitimately hard to sell the soldiers apart at some points. In chosen to hone in on the action and functioning as a survival film, Dunkirk does lack the cinematic surrealism of something like Apocalypse Now or the poignant quirks of something like Saving Private Ryan. I'm thinking of the scene in Saving Private Ryan when the soldiers are sitting around in a demolished town listening to Edith Piaf on a gramophone and talking about home. These are clearly choices by Nolan rather than shortcomings or oversights, but nonetheless it is what bars the film from best war movie ever lists for me. It's a staggering achievement, but for some will verge on clinical, particularly as it wraps up in patriotic fervour toward the end. In spite of my want for deeper or more oblique notes in it though, Dunkirk is an unbelievably assured and thrilling war film. Nolan is at the top of his game, and what a joy it is to watch him construct such grand-scale filmmaking. So that's what I wrote up after seeing the film, and what went up earlier in the week and I think it's probably fair to say even though I think that's that's a glowing review it was probably on the the lower end of the scale to other critics who've really gone in with a ton of five star reviews and I think they're perfectly legitimate and I can see why it would you'd be given five stars because it's kind of it's a perfect film for what it is like the film that Noel has made you couldn't really make any better it's 
from start to finish. It's just it's, it's impeccable. But I guess if anything's lacking for me, it's what the film could have been and what other films can be. I mean, it's a very intense experience. It might well be the most immersive war film ever made. But as I mentioned in the review, it does lack anything perhaps unique and different and new, and it doesn't necessarily work on a lot of other levels. And and that's just a personal taste thing, you know. Some people are going to want that kind of war movie that's... Kubrickian and hits different notes and some people were just going to want a straightforward intense thrilling action film which it absolutely definitely is it's the kind of film you know you take your dad to this film he's not going to be mad about it it's a really really enjoyable watch but in terms of other Nolan films I think we're going to try and do a ranking at some point this week now he's got the his latest addition to his filmography I think it's it's up there with his best I always have pretty controversial opinions on his films because I really disliked Inception. For me, it was just complex to the point of being kind of convoluted, you know. It's like, oh, where are they going to fall off their chairs into next? A dream layer that's just where the sea is soup. I don't know. It didn't, it didn't work for me, that, even though it looked amazing. For me, my favourites are like, I love Memento. Uh, I love Interstellar. I don't know if Dunkirk's quite as good as those two, but I think it's definitely in third place for me. So yeah, I hope I hope everyone does go out and see it. I hope they see it on the big screen. You know, this is something people say so often for films. You know, oh, make sure you see this one in the cinema or see it on IMAX. But it's really, really true and really the case with this film because um, it really is about the experience. And the sound, particularly, as I mentioned, is just absolutely extraordinary. So now we're going to have a little chat with some of the cast from Dunkirk. When it comes to big blockbusters like this, it's not the best in terms of getting time with people because when someone like Killian Murphy is doing press around a smaller film, you know, an indie drama, then there's a certain amount of people who are willing to cover that and you tend to get better access. But when it's something like Dunkirk, you know, everyone wants a piece of that pie. You know, you've got This Morning there with cameras, like every radio station... The one show, Graham Norton, all of these people want a little bit of time, so it constantly gets carved up in smaller amounts, which can be quite frustrating. So, you know, hopefully we'll get Christopher Nolan on here, we'll get Killian Murphy on here, we'll get Mark Rylance on here at length at some point. Um, but for now, we uh, we had like about five minutes with Killian and Mark. But, I mean, you know, it was an intense, intense day of press for them, but they were generally really nice guys and gave some really interesting answers. Um, it kind of talking about how real it was on set with the lack of kind of CGI in this production and what it's like working with Nolan, who definitely has his own approach. So, yeah, I hope you find it interesting. Um, My colleague Jacob, who's been on previous podcasts, uh, picked up the Killian Murphy interview and I spoke to Mark Rylance, who is paired with Barry Cogan, who's on a boat with him for the entire film, essentially. And meeting Mark Rylance, man, that guy is kind of an aspirational figure. He kind of dresses in like a, a loose shirt, somewhat Morrissey-esque, and sits very still and very upright on a chair. There's a lot of eye contact and a very soft voice and just kind of sort of something monk-like about him that, um, that I respected. And, yeah, seemed like he's living life the right way, you know. So enjoy, and thanks for listening always, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks for the next episode. So your part of the story is like the heart of the film, right? Because it's so action-orientated elsewhere that you're bringing kind of the emotion and the human aspect to it. Ours was a, our day was a little bit stiller, yeah. wasn't it? We had many hours 
in the, in terms of our days, the characters, stories, mm. uh, we had many hours just uh, sailing slowly, motoring slowly across the channel. So I guess you're right. There's something stiller about our story. The other two stories are, don't have any stillness. Yeah. And you spend, obviously, the entire film in the boat. Did you want to familiarise yourself with it before the we take? Did. So you f felt very much like you owned that boat and you knew yeah, it Yeah, Chris took us out for a day and we s sailed out along that mole Got and then back and forth, we? yeah, along, uh, along the coast of, um, off of Dunkirk. Yeah. Was it very much filmed on the water then? The Oh, or, yeah, or there was the no CGI, yeah, yeah. Nothing, yeah. In, nothing for us in a tank or anything like that. It was all on the boat. Oh, real? Yeah. Stay tuned. After this advert, we're going to say some more words. Did you guys feel that there was like a, a sense of passing of the guard a little bit with this film and that there's, you know, it must have been kind of daunting for you working with Mark and Tom and Killian and people, but they're, all their roles were quite small and it was kind of about you guys, it was about accentuating the younger actors in the film. Well, war is generally experienced by younger people, so that's a, that's a necessity in a war film, isn't it? Mm. And it's great how Chris cast very young emerging actors to get them as young as possible. I think that's a very important true look of the of the story. Mm. Were you nervous going into the shoot? No, not nervous. Are I you mean, ever nervous? I don't really get nervous. Cool. I get excited and, you know, obviously I'm like I'm I'm a fan of the cast, like, you know, and that's it's not nervous like nervousness, it's more like I'm excited to meet these lads who I'm like I look up to like, you know. Mm. Yeah, working with um, Christopher Nolan. Is there anything kind of idiosyncratic about his direction style on on set? Yeah, very much so. He's very particular about using film and about everything being real in front of the camera. Um, so there are a lot of old techniques used in this film um, of, of of to make it look real. You know, but the the flame on the water and the men swimming in flame. Yeah, nothing. Real. You know, he really wants to minimize the amount of post-production CGI stuff. Yeah. Um, he's very, he's written it as well, so he has a very strong idea from inception of, of what, what, what it wants to be. Um, he's, he, uh, he does things like he doesn't like um, having chairs on set for actors and stuff like that. He has very, very particular a bottles of water. A bottles of water, or he has very particular tastes. What about do you What do you think those two things? What is it about not having chairs that, that? I mean, distractions, aren't they? Like you know, and keeps you on your toes, literally. Right. Um, bottles of water, you know, the, the noise of them can be quite. And it, they're like toys almost, isn't it? Just playing around with toys, like if, you know. Yeah. yeah, he's kind of like a craftsman, isn't he? Would you say it's a fair like characterization of his? Genius. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely into the craft of it and uh, and serious. He he wants to do the what he considers everything about it. He he has his eye on every aspect of the yeah, creation of the film. And of course, it's also unusual, very unusual, and very pleasant that it's a husband and wife team. So uh, there isn't a team of big, you know, suited producers or fretting in the background. There's just Emma, his wife, and so so it feels m more like when you're involved in a student film. And yeah. there's a couple, and that's how they emerged. Yeah. So they've maintained, even though they've become very successful and are able to harness all this resource, you, you still feel like you're with a young group of film, a pair of film graduates who are making something that's personal and they're enthusiastic about it and they want to, they want to change the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know? That's ultimately what you want, isn't it? You want the feel of a, a student film in terms of the enthusiasm, but then yeah. within the... 
Yeah. Yeah, that hunger, like, you know. Yeah, they're not doing it for the money. You don't feel any of that. Anyone's there for the money or for no. the, yeah. get, I don't know, whatever, fame or whatever. You feel they're there because they really want to make unusual, unique films. All right, well, um, congratulations on the film, guys. I really enjoyed it, and thanks Thank for speaking to me today. Thank, Thank you. Take care, guys. So that was Mark Rylance, who plays a local British mariner who goes steaming into Dunkirk on the tiny family boat, just trying to help out with Barry Cogan, who plays his son. And now here's Jacob talking to Killian Murphy, who plays this shell-shocked officer who they uh, they pick up on the way. Killian Murphy, good to see you. How are you? I'm all right. How are good, you? Good, good, good. Very well, thank you. Correct me if I'm wrong, this is your fifth time working with Christopher Nolan. So it seems, yeah. So it seems, yeah. yeah. What is it like working with him? Uh, how different is it working with him than it is to working with any other filmmaker? Well, you know, Chris has very sort of specific approaches to the work. Um, I mean, every director is is, di- is different, you know, but I suppose I've had the pleasure of working with Chris a few times now, so you get a, a sort of a, an insight into how he, and how he goes about it, and it's very, very rigorous. It's very sort of demanding on himself and on his crew and on his cast and incredibly focused. Um, and, you know, his vision is so clear and so strong. You feel very confident, you know, in sort of being part of that. And when he pushes it, you know, it, it feels like a good place to be. Mm, definitely. And it really feels like watching this film is that without him around or in the industry working today, there wouldn't be films like this being made on this scale at least. Um, does it feel like that when you're on set with, with the actors, when you're filming the scenes? Well, I think, you know, people talk about Chris's films like, on a, like they're on a big scale and that they're epic in nature, and, which is certainly true. But always in my experience, it's always uh, the things that I remember is the sort of intimacy of the work together. You know, that the, particularly in this film, we're on a little boat out in the ocean and it's just three or four actors and mm. Chris and the cameraman and the sound guy. And that's it. You know, so it feels really intimate. And I know that around it, there's this huge story unfolding. But that's been my experience in all of his films, really, you know, just about the performances and about the work. Yeah, sure. And you spend a lot of uh, your time working with the incredible Mark Rylance. Yeah. How was that? I mean, it was a dream come true for me, really. You know, I think I'm such a fan of his. And I think any actor is, you know, who knows Mark's work is also a fan. And uh, not only is he such a brilliant actor, as we've all seen it he just has this tremendous energy around him it's such a generous energy and spirit to have on set and you know for all of us on the boat you needed that because we were out there all day long in all sorts of weather conditions for a long time and you know he's just so lovely to be around yeah pro Mm. Like you all are, you're all pros. Well, you get through it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's one of the most uh, intense films um, I've seen uh, probably ever. Was it it intense filming it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like like all filmmaking, there's moments of extreme intensity and then you wait and then there's moments of extreme intensity, you know. Um, but you know when the Spitfires are flying over and when the sea is on fire when the destroyer is tipping and all of that stuff you do you know it does take your breath away a little bit Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you all felt like between everyone the cast and crew felt such a responsibility of telling what is one of the most important important stories of our history Mm. Um, when you saw the finished product were you just blown away as blown away as you hoped you'd be I was blown away yeah and also quite humbled you know because you you remember that these 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 were real men and women that gave their lives. And, you know, we met some of the veterans at the premiere, which is also very, very affecting. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we have paid a tribute to them in some small way. Certainly. And uh, just to finish, a, 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 
a bit of trivia. Uh, what um, if you could choose a Chris Nolan film that you haven't starred in, one of the very few you haven't starred in, uh, that you if you could just go back and add it to your filmography, which one would you choose? Man, I'd happily be in any of them. I mean, I mean, <laughs> it's a tough question. I mean, I remember very vividly seeing Memento in the cinema, um, but there's no part of me that really. Uh, I love The Prestige as well. Mm. You know what I mean? And Interstellar, I saw it, and it, you know, it made me cry. So I listen. I pop up and I. She put them all just had them all on. Yeah. Yeah, I'll happily, you know, happily be in any of them. You know, they're all just. I mean, he's 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 not made a bad film. They're no. all wonderful creations. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Thank Cheers, you. Cheers, man. Appreciate it. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you're following us on Twitter, at Kernels, and on Instagram, at Kernels Podcast. And I know you're busy, but if you find time to leave us a little review on iTunes, that really helps us get the podcast out to more people. So it'd be much appreciated. All right, take care.